Hey everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. There were some really hard-fought campaigns here in Southeast Michigan in election 2020, and when the dust all settled, local Democrats all won another term in Congress. But things are going to be a little different for them in Washington when a Democratic administration takes over the White House on January 20th, 2021. We will be talking with several members of our congressional delegation between now and then. On Monday, we are going to hear from Congressman Andy Levin. But today, we kick off those conversations with Congresswoman Haley Stevens, a Democrat who was just re-elected to represent Michigan's 11th district in Congress. Congresswoman, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yes. So first of all, congratulations on winning election, re-election for a second term. I always know that uh, that first re-election campaign is often the toughest. Uh, it is it is a little more nerve-wracking, I think, than maybe uh, out years tend to be. Uh, give us a sense of uh, how you're feeling now that that's all over. Look, I... I think like a lot of people, we're we're glad that the elections are certified and officially over. And boy, am I uh, just ready to continue to dribble the ball on some big pieces of legislation that I've been working on for uh, our uh, economy as well as for our our schools and and education. And so, listen, it's about getting back to work. Um, I'm in. I'm actually in Washington today. Uh, all eyes on uh, our budget, as well as the much, much needed coronavirus relief that we have been waiting for since uh, since the summer. Yeah. So, so let's start with that because it is the headline today, and in, in most news sources, we are getting closer. It seems to an agreement that both the Senate could agree to, and that perhaps the current president, Donald Trump might sign for coronavirus release, but relief before the end of the year. But there are still some real concerns about what will be in that relief. And in particular, uh, relief for individuals, uh, the, the, the $1,200 in stimulus that uh, is on the table is still not cemented into, into the bill. Give us an update on, on where we are and where you think we're headed. Yeah, well, the way in which I've approach coronavirus relief is by working very closely with the several dozen communities that I have the privilege of representing in Congress vis-a-vis our municipal leaders as well as uh, our, our, you know, our elected officials, mayors and, and township supervisors. And that has created for me and for our district uh, a platform for negotiation in Washington. Now, here I sit in Washington and we see about you know, three or four different approaches. And some are partisan. One is looking very promising. It is a bipartisan, bicameral deal. Folks are certainly always going to look at the spend on these things because when you take votes on, you know, eye-popping dollar figure amounts, and then you start to look at, well, how is this coming back into our district? You know, you look at Oakland County, for example, Wayne County, for example, both of these areas have effectively used CARES Act dollars for the benefit of small businesses, for the communities. We know we need to do these stimulus checks, by the way, Stephen. Those have always been bipartisan. That's a really good thing. One of the most raw conversations that you can have with a constituent is, hey, I've been impacted by this virus because I spent all my savings. 
while I was furloughed or lost wages, and it's through no fault of their own, we've got Americans emptying out their bank accounts Mm -hmm. more than we've ever seen in any time in modern history. So I remain optimistic about the bipartisan, bicameral platform. You'll start to hear, you know, the the Senate chamber uh, party leader, Mitch McConnell, saying, well, you know, I actually want to negotiate from a, a lower price point. I don't know if that's to mollify other people. It probably is in his chamber. But, but we all know this, Stephen. we got to get this done. So you mentioned you're talking to another one of my colleagues on Monday. Yeah. Hopefully we've got the vote on Monday, Tuesday, and we know what we're doing. And we know what we're doing. Uh, you know, the other thing that is getting a lot of attention, especially here in southeast Michigan, is the real pressure that is on small businesses and restaurants in particular. I mean, they are just taking a beating because we continue to have to close down dining rooms because we don't have control of the spread of the virus. It would be a pretty simple proposition, I think, to get these business owners to go along with those restrictions if they knew that there was support coming, if they knew that the federal government and the state government we're going to help them get through this time. They don't have that. They don't have that guarantee. And each day that goes by, I fear we're losing more and more of those businesses. I mean, we're pushing more and more of them to the brink of uh, of closing. It's it's really frustrating, I think, to to keep watching this happening and not see a resolution come from Washington. Right, and then there's the frustration around actions that. Some small businesses absolutely welcome because they realize if you're in the food business, you're also in the public health business. Absolutely. And you want to help to stop the spread. But at the same time, you're watching your life's work, you know, be destroyed. And it's, you know, you look to the north, Canada's doing this very successfully. Western Europe is doing this successfully. We're a modern, industrialized economy. Small businesses are the lifeblood of our communities, particularly here in Michigan, the the restaurants are are always in your face, right? It's it's just you know it's their cultural touchstones in our communities, and then there's also other segments of our economy too that that you know we you start to look at people who book for entertainment or for travel. Our movie theaters, bowling alleys are included in this. You know our, our educators, right? And then obviously the constant strain on our incredible frontline workers. So, you know, this is how you start to look at a holistic approach to providing relief and and getting us through this. And look, this isn't just elected officials or government officials clamping down. This is a reality of an airborne virus, mm-hmm. the novel coronavirus that came about in, at the very end of 2019 that has plagued most of this year and is quite vicious and took you know over 250,000 American lives. So we, we've got to be safe. We've got to get our, uh, you know, our public health considerations in place. And then we also certainly have got to get our economy through to, to the other side. And I'll tell you what I hear time and time again, Stephen, is just let's get us our fair share of federal funding here in Michigan. Hmm. Let's make sure this isn't all just going towards, you know, those who are the most aggressive towards lobbying for their needs. But, but we, we see this across the board now, you know, states like North Dakota and South Dakota being very hard hit 
by this pandemic. It's not just a strain on our hospitals. It's also a strain on our economy. Hiring is down. Let's move. Yeah. I'm talking with Congresswoman Haley Stevens, a Democrat, newly reelected to represent Michigan's 11th district in Congress. We're talking right now about the negotiations over COVID-19 stimulus, still still a little stalled out in Washington, even though that they are moving, it seems, towards some sort of resolution. The question really is when they will get there and when we will see some relief. There are also real questions still about what will be in that relief. Uh, will there be stimulus checks for individuals? How much help will there be for small businesses? Those things are still really all up in the air. Uh, if you want to give us a call and join the conversation, that would be great as well. Uh, what questions do you have for Congresswoman Haley Stevens? What issue would you most like to see emphasized, not just now in the next four weeks, but in the next four years as Joe Biden uh, takes the oath of office to become the 46th president of the United States and uh, puts together uh, a four-year term. Uh, what do you hope Congress is going to focus on during that term? And what do you think of Biden's choices so far for his leadership team, which we've seen start to come together? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the show that way. Before we get to uh, listeners, uh, Congresswoman, I want to talk a little more about coronavirus and the vaccine end of things. You know, your your background uh, was in manufacturing and logistics. Uh, I wonder if you can talk a little about the logistics of manufacturing and distributing these vaccines. We have heard a lot about how complicated that will be. Uh, especially from the standpoint of the, the vaccine that needs uh, very cold storage, like how hard it will be to make sure that that, that works. But there are some other logistical challenges uh, that we're facing as well. I wonder if you can shed light on those. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to our first, first actions in the Congress around coronavirus, it was to invest in the research and development of the vaccine. And a lot of times people look at this as, oh, who's getting the credit? And it's, hey, it's the, it's the government acting, right? It was Congress passing legislation that was ultimately signed by the president. But when we got to the CARES Act, Stephen, um, particularly in my role on the House Science Committee, uh, in the capacity of the, as the chair of the Research and Technology Subcommittee, I ensured that a little-known agency, uh, it's actually a lab called the National Institute for Innovation in Manufacturing Biopharmaceuticals, uh, that was stood up through the Manufacturing USA program, received monies for the distribution of the eventual vaccine. Hmm. This is a public-private partnership that works with all the major biopharmaceutical manufacturers that receives money from the Department of Defense. And, you know, early on, before we even, you know, had a glimmer of when we were going to get the vaccine, engaged in those conversations with the, the Institute, their leadership, and their thoughts around this. Now, Coming off of what we've seen with testing, that's had a lot of challenges, right? Getting a testing system set up. And now you see long lines, certainly go get a COVID test. Oakland County, Wayne County doing a fabulous job. Macomb, you know, our, our tri-county region has got nice testing set up. But we, we do see that it took a long time for, for us to get there. And 
frankly, you'd like to see in essential workplaces regular daily testing available, and we're still really not there. So then the question becomes for the vaccine. Now, there are many logistical questions, particularly with the temperature storage requirements. And as we've seen, our airline industry, right, interestingly enough, take some huge step backs. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of pilots get furloughed. Mm-hmm. And then when you get furloughed as a pilot, it's not an automatic restart. They often have to have uh, a re-entry period, uh, sometimes retraining, depending sure. on how long they were off for. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of work to do. And Congress is going to have a real role to play in oversight. I'm at the table on that. And our incoming administration, you know, you see the vice uh, the the now president-elect, has put into place two co-heads of the coronavirus response. Mm. And that's going to be a big part of their job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, We're talking with Congresswoman Haley Stevens, a newly re-elected Democrat who represents Michigan's 11th district in Congress. Uh, Let's go to Christopher in Westland. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, What I believe the governments need to do is adopt my holistic basism (laughs) and its trust-backed UBI with its United Nations crypto into the Main Street Growth Act and the HEROES Act and utilize this for the social justice reform, starting with the Constitution, uh, getting rid of the terms Negro black and colored and white and Indian uh, because it created a caste system mm. and use these tax, use the taxes of the new green deal to uh, pay out from these individualized trusts where the principle is never touched to stabilize all markets. Mm. Uh, you know, Christopher, that is a long list of things uh, that, that you want done. And, and I think I know where you're headed. Uh, with all of them, I appreciate the call and the comments. You know, uh, Haley, I think I think there's a real question, and and Christopher's call reminds me of it about how far we're going to be able to go if uh, once Joe Biden is uh, sworn in as president in January, if for example the two Senate races in Georgia go the way that Democrats would like them to go, and they get control. Uh, of that chamber as well in Congress, uh, something like UBI, universal basic income, uh, which would absolutely solve the problems that we are having right now with uh, with COVID-19. Um, how, how realistic is it to be talking about trying to get those kinds of things done, whether you support them or not is a different question. But but the realism, I think, of, of being able to achieve those things uh, even with a Democratic administration and maybe with a Democratic Congress? What, what, what do you make of that? Well, you always start with the big idea, right? And, 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 you know, the folks at the negotiating table will tell you that. I mean, the top leadership in the, the House and Senate, you always start with the big idea. And then, and we're not here to make pate in Congress. You know, it, 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 it's not pate, it's often sausage, so yeah. says the vegetarian. But, <laughs> you know, ultimately, um, what, we, what we've got to do is help individual, hardworking Americans. And I think what was so hard-hitting to me about some of the things that Christopher was touching on 
is we're, we're talking about economic justice here. We're talking about stimulus for hardworking Americans, you know, whether it's a one-off $1,200 check, which mm-hmm. we could have seen that just doing that regularly, of which I was an early supporter of uh, and would like to see us do more rounds. You know, those who have been talking about UBI and how that actually manifests uh, and maybe streamline some of our government, right? Everyone's talking about efficiency. We're in the year 2020, moving into 2021, right? Uh, this, <laughs> this, this government is due for a cleanup to serve people better. But we've also got to look at economic justice through reconciling racial injustice yes. in this country. And we all, in the middle of this pandemic, witnessed um, the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. which was an eye-opening, eye-opening event, which led to the passage of the Justice in Policing Act uh, and is, is also started a conversation and, and kind of reckoning with the things that we have left behind uh, over the last 30, 40 years in terms of reconciling racial injustice from a legislative standpoint. We can look at this from the Metro Detroit lens. Malice Green was almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, working with our state legislators here in Michigan and the actions that they are taking on eviction protection, on education. We've had longstanding educational disparities, right? If you're and even in my own district, we see this, depending on the, the zip code or the community and access to resources. So this is also the plight towards equality and equal opportunity and regrowing our middle class, which means lifting people out of poverty. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call, Christopher. Uh, let's go to Jackie, Jackie Victor, here in uh, Midtown Detroit. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much, Uh and congratulations. Um, Just on the CARES Act, it's ironic. I was just yesterday sitting with my, I own Avalon Breast, and I was sitting with my CFO, um, and, you know, like, you know, people sitting around a kitchen table trying to figure out how to pay their bills. We're literally looking at all of our different cafes, our manufacturing facilities, and thinking, how are we going to get, literally, how are we going to get through the end of the year? Mm. How are we going to get through December 15th? You know, we got the PPP, we got the EDL, we put it to good use. We are actually rebuilding our manufacturing facility to compensate for the restaurant thing, but nobody can survive this economic tsunami. So it's, 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 you know, yes, getting the money, but also getting it quickly because, I mean, even businesses like us that are well-resourced, we just can't get through this. And, and we're, I mean, my partners and I, we've all put as much money into it in addition to that as we can and taken out new loans for equipment. So that's the one thing. But the other thing I wanted to say is on a slightly different but really related note, um, two of my um, employees, two of my black employees young just in the last few days have been stopped in detroit by policemen harassed for no reason one of them walked in with 200 tickets yesterday for going 55 on grasses and it is you know we, we we tend to think because we're in detroit that we don't have 
the same kind of problems that other cities do, and it's just not true. Mm. And I think if, if, if business, business people, we need to sit down and listen to our employees and listen to what they're experiencing day to day because it is just it, – it, it's, it's oppressive for them with everything else wow. going on and then to be harassed by their own – by police in their own communities and then these tickets and these – it's just – it's got to stop. Yeah. So I hope we don't take that off – the page, and I hope we really put pressure on the city of Detroit and our own police department. We need to have a reckoning, too. Mm. Uh, Jackie, I really appreciate the call. And of course, both subjects uh, that you raise are are really critical. Uh, Congresswoman, I'll give you a chance to, to address both of them. Yeah, thank you. One is on the small business front. Jackie's absolutely spot on. We have to remove the debt liability that our small businesses are incurring just for being in business in the middle of a pandemic. So mm-hmm. if you've received uh, a PPP loan or an idle loan, those are now liabilities, right? These are monies you now owe back to the government. And we have legislation that, oh boy, I may sponsor of and want to see get done, which strips away the, the payback requirement, right, essentially making it a grant for these small businesses. And then to her other great point is, and this was right on the top of everyone's mind when we were doing CARES Act and it was real triage, is the, the speed and the efficacy in which we get the, the taxpayer dollars that are being spent to buoy our local economies, our small businesses, hardworking Americans. So that's always going to be the litmus test, and that's certainly something that you're going to see heavily, heavily um, uh, negotiated to Mm -hmm. make sure that that gets done. Now, we're in the middle of a transition, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got new uh, officials coming in, new agency heads coming in, and that's weighing on me, too, because, uh, you know, we haven't necessarily seen this be the smoothest of transitions in a time where we really could use that. And then to, to to her other point, Look, this is something that we address in the justice and policing bill yes. that came right out of our communities. Livonia is a great example of this. They've had to have a lot of tough conversations led by an incredible mayor, Maureen Brosnan Miller, with their police force, with, with uh, local residents. And it's all for better outcomes. This is the 21st century. Bring people together to have the conversations that move us forward. Mm. Okay, Congresswoman Haley Stevens, it's always great to talk with you. Congratulations again on uh, your success on Election Day, and uh, thanks for for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. What a sincere pleasure to be with you this morning. Yeah, we'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with political chief political correspondent and Michigan native Tim Alberta about his reporting on Republican efforts to overturn the election here in Michigan and hand it to President Trump. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.